All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Barely Backcountry Podcast. Today we're doing another installment of our draw application series, and we got Dave Barnett back on this one. And today we are talking about Utah. So there's a lot of good information in this podcast, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Before we get into that, though, make sure you guys check out the podcast on social media. It's barely underscore backcountry underscore podcast on Instagram, and then my personal is c.dillashaw. Make sure you guys are giving the podcast a like, follow, a share, leaving reviews, all those good things. I appreciate it all. But without any further ado, I'll get you guys into this podcast with Dave Barnett. All right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of a Barely Backcountry podcast. Today is another episode of our Draw Application Series, and we got Dave Barnett back for this one. So today we're going to be doing Utah. But Dave, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. But so let's kind of get into Utah. I know that's always a big state that people want to talk about. And there's always a lot of big animals killed in Utah. Everybody wants a Utah tag. So let's tell people how they can get one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Utah's a, Utah has been a hot topic. Um, it's, it's our next one coming up. So your application deadline for Utah this year is April 27th. Um, so you haven't through until April 27th, get your applications in for that. Um, the, the big change that Utah did this year is that they moved their application deadline a few months later for 2023. And the reason they did that is so that applicants could look at uh, tag proposals uh, prior to applying. Uh, in years past, you would, you would actually submit your application before tag proposals were released. Um, you know, so sometimes it was, it was not uncommon to put in for a unit and then all of a sudden find out a bunch of tags got cut and you were, you were kind of sitting in no man's land. Um, you know, so this year they did allow people to look at tag numbers prior to going into things. Um, and then along with that, you also have a lot of uh, chatter going on right now at the winter kill situation. Yep. Um, Northern Utah is, is getting pounded with snow and has been getting pounded. I mean, all winter long, there's definitely, definitely some winter kill going on. Um, there's going to be some tag cuts. They haven't had actual release, excuse me, release proposed numbers for tag cuts in some of those harder hit areas yet. They're kind of still TBD. Um, but it, it's going to cause some weird strains on the state. You know, you're going to get a lot of guys typically apply up north or residents that live up north are probably going to be applying for more of your central Utah and southern Utah unit. Okay. Um, you know, and then, and then obviously you have some point creep issues are going to, are going to come because of this as well. Sure. Um, so there's definitely, yeah, some, some shakeups happening. Um, a lot of new season structure. Elk. Um, you know, so there's, there's a lot of things changing in Utah. I think there's a lot of good, uh, a lot of good changes. Um, I think at the end of the day, you're going to, on, on some species, you're going to see more people with points starting to filter through the system a little bit faster, Okay. Uh, which at the end of the day, you know, combat's point group to an extent, it definitely helps out. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, let's kind of get into their draw process and how it works. I know Utah has like a couple different types of draws, whether it be like their general or limited entry and all that stuff. So let's get into how all that works. Yeah. So yeah, you basically, you have, yeah, yeah, you have a lot of different draw structures, a lot of different point systems that you can, you can go through. Um, so kind of starting out, you know, on deer, you're going to have your limited entry deer tags. So limited entry typically that's going to encompass all of your, your primary big buck type units, uh, you know, Antelope Island and the Ponsagut and Henry mountains. Um, you know, so you see a lot of your, your real high end, you know, more of your hunts, you be your limited entry deer hunts. And then you also have your general deer tags. Um, general deer tags are going to be on the remainder of the state. Um, not to say that general deer tags, you know, have, have smaller deer on them. You know, typically you're not dealing with as many, as many big deer as you are in some of these other tremendous deer come up general units every year too. Gotcha. Um, these are separate point systems and separate draw systems. So you actually, as an, as an applicant can build points in both the general deer category and the limited entry deer category. 
Um, so you have, you have some, you know, some application options there. And you'll see this trend continue through some of the other species. Um, you get into elk, um, you're going to have a limited entry elk on there. So you do have a, your limited entry elk point you can apply for. And you do also have some over-the-counter tags you can apply for, or excuse me, that you can purchase. Um, so you have some tag options there, and it kind of moves on through all your species. Now, you, you do run into some differences as far as applying as a resident at, or as applying as a non-resident. So as a resident, for me, um, each year when I apply for, say, my limited entry application, I have to choose between whether I'm applying for limited entry deer, limited entry elk, or limited entry antelope. I can't apply for all three. I can only do one. Um, the same thing is going to come in when we start looking at the once-in-a-lifetime species. So your bighorn sheep, moose, mountain goat, um, and bison. I can only do one of those a year as well. Uh, Non-residents actually have the opportunity to apply for all of them. Um, so in a, in a given year, a non-resident can build points for all three limited entry species, where I, as a resident, can only build one. Is there any reasoning for that? Like, what is the thought behind that? Yeah, probably based on opportunity. You know, okay. I mean, I, I don't know the exact reason or, you know, where that came down from, from the top, but that would be my guess to be an opportunity. I mean, you know, even, even though they allow non-residents to purchase those points, the amount of tags that are drawn or, you know, that are, that are available okay. to non-residents, it, it's a pretty premier list. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, so, so there is some, you know, starting when you're talking as, as far as starting, starting your application process in Utah or being a new newcomer to, you know, to Utah, there is some strategy when it comes to that, particularly if you're a resident deciding, you know, which, which limited entry species should I attack at first or, you know, which once in a lifetime species should I go for? Mm -hmm. um, when you come in from the non-resident standpoint, um, I mean, you, you have access to all the points, you can build all the points in all the categories. I think a lot of it just comes into kind of understanding, you know, what options are actually available in that state and how long is it going to take you to draw those? Mm -hmm. um, you know, Utah, Utah is a state that you just have to, you just have to build points in that state. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of states where there's some really good opportunity on really low point tags, and you can certainly find a couple of those in Utah, but for the most part, you know, Utah is a state, if you're hunting there, you're, you're dealing with the tag that probably took a lot of points to draw. Um, but the trade-off is your, your quality of animals quite high, you know, yeah. compared to a lot of your other Western states. You yeah, know, so, sure. so there's a little bit of you know, going in there. Um, as far as their draw system works, they actually have a really good draw system. It's a hybrid system um, where typically you're dealing with on a hybrid system, you have a certain amount of tags you're going to go to your point holders and a certain amount of tags you're going to go to your to your remainder. So a, drawn as a random, um, which is a really nice system because not only does does they take care of your, your long-time applicants and kind of give a guy, a, you know, a, a guaranteed level, so to say, of where you can draw a tag, um, but it also gives a lot of opportunity for people that are just getting we see every year going through the draw stats from Utah, I mean, you'll, you'll see people in the zero to two point range drawing, you know, sheep tags and bison tags and everything else. <laughs> There's always an opportunity to draw in Utah. Um, you know, so, so you kind of, you know, a lot of times we'll get, we'll get that question, whether it's Utah or Arizona or any other state, um, you know, should I, is it worth applying in this state or should I only be building points until I have enough points to draw my tag? Um, yeah. Utah is one of those states where, you know, generally more often than not, you're probably going to have some some tags that are going to be available random on the non-resident side. So even if you have zero points, it's, it's worth applying for that tag. Gotcha. Um, you know, there's always a chance you can draw it. Gotcha. Cool. Well, we're on the topic of points. Point creep is a big topic that's always talked about yes. <laughs> with Utah. So let's talk about that real quick. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, point creep's definitely alive and well in Utah, you know, just like any other state in the West that uses preference point systems. Um, you definitely have point creep. I mean, most of your your big prolific units, are, they're jumping a point a year. Um, you really can't get away from that. Um, you know, like I said, you do have that option of you do have the random uh, aspect on there. So even though you're in the preference point system you're, and you're dealing with point creep, there's still a chance you could potentially draw before, you know, you're technically up to that point level. Um, you know, so, you know, there, there is that opportunity there. Um, some things that, that could potentially change this year. I mean, tag numbers are definitely getting moved around a lot. Um, you know, one thing looking over their proposals right now is, you know, there, there were not an enormous, enormous change, like in the general deer tags this year, a lot of people were expecting some huge tag cuts, um, which there's going to be in some areas, but they also increase the tags in a lot of areas, you know, in some of these other areas. So at the end of the day, your, your actual tag uh, availability statewide isn't changing a whole lot, you know, but certain areas will. I mean, so, so you're going to have some point creep that's going to be caused, um, you know, from, from just typical application. You're also going to have some that's going to be caused by winter movement, um, you know, so winter kill that we're experiencing tag cuts, you know, due to that. Mm -hmm. um, things to be looking at, particularly is going to be in the elk drop, this year they added um, essentially two two season types uh, into the elk season so essentially they split the early seasons and they created a new mid rifle hunt some units did have some existing seasons but they pretty much offered these to every unit so now this year pretty much every unit has a new mid rifle uh, season for elk and then most of the limited entry units also have a new late archery uh, season which is going to take place in december so you have essentially two new tag types for the most part being offered on most of your limited entry elk units um, at the cost of some shorter season dates and some of the other hunts. Um, you know, so I mean, at the end of the day, it didn't, it's not really adding too many more people to the landscape. You know, a lot of they, for a lot of the tags that they produced, they had to borrow from the other seasons. Um, so they're not really changing too many more people on the landscape, you know, a few here and there, but they're, they're distributing the application types out more. Um, you know, so in some instances, some of your more prolific seasons, say like your early rifle hunts, those are probably going to see some point creep for sure. Um, you know, but it's going to potentially even even things out on the point creep. You know, say on average, instead of taking 25 points, maybe we can drop the average down to 22 points. You know, it's just having more opportunities to put people's points into. It's just it's going to be better overall, I believe. Um, you know, not to mention there's going to be some some attractive uses of points there, too. Gotcha. Gotcha. Is that 25 points? Is that the, the average of what it takes to generally draw an elk tag in Utah for a non-resident? No, I pulled that completely okay. out of my rear end. I mean, you know, I mean, a lot of it depends on, on the type of tag you're going. So coming from a non-resident standpoint, um, you know, so one of your easier tags to get in is going to be an archery hunt. Um, a lot of that is like largely due to the fact that the Utah archery season on the limited entry elk hunt um, it ends early this year. I believe it ends on September 19th. So it's not like a full rut hunt, but you can still get some really good rut activity on that hunt. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it typically more of your focus is on your early rifle hunt. It's a rifle hunt right in the heart of the rut. I mean, it's a phenomenal hunt. You know, you'll never experience anything like that. Um, you know, so I mean, you'll see some ebbs and flows there, but I mean, generally from a non-resident standpoint, most of your big bull units, I mean, yeah, you're in that 20 plus point range for sure. You know, when you start talking, drawing an actual point tag, um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're in it for a long haul in that state, you know, but at the same time, you know, on most of your limited entry units, you're, you're dealing with a really big bull, um, you know, better than you're going to find in most Western states. So, you know, it, it's that quality of hunting you're coming here for. Gotcha. Then what about like your deer and antelope? Are you, is it like similar amount of points or quite a few less or? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you're, you're not dealing – well, we'll break that down. So when you're looking at deer, when you start talking like limited entry deer, so your your big, big tag, your Ponzagons, your Henry Mountains, Antelope, um, you know, I mean, those tags are going to take you a lot of years to draw. I mean, yeah, you're talking 20-plus in those. When you start talking your deer general units, a non-resident can find a good hunt in Utah, I mean, anywhere from that three three plus range in points. Okay. You know, there's a, there's a lot of tags you can draw. Um, you know, there's a lot of different terrain types available in Utah. I mean, you, you can you know whether you're hunting up north in the you know the Wasatch Mountains or you're you know hunting down south in the desert. You know, there's a lot of different areas you can hunt in Utah, and yeah. you know I think a lot of the the value to that hunt kind of more speaks to you know what areas are you going to hunt in. I know for me personally, I don't hunt good in desert type areas yet. I'm still learning that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so for me, I feel like, you know, if I can draw a unit at a few less points, it's kind of more desirable terrain types. I'm going to feel more comfortable there. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, generally general gear in Utah, fairly accessible to your average guy. Um, you know, you've got a few year wait here and there, you know, not quite as accessible as say maybe like a Colorado hunt, but it, it's definitely there for sure. Um, antelope. Yeah. You're, you're dealing with points to draw. I mean, you know, in general, if a guy just wanted to do an antelope hunt, you're you're gonna get into one quicker going the Wyoming or Montana route. Okay. Um, you know, but there, there's some great bucks to be had. You know, antelope hunting can be can be very good in Utah. Um but yeah you're you're generally dealing with some points to get into one of those too. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Is there anything else about like the general or limited entry draws we need to touch on before we get to some of the other hunting opportunities in Utah? Yeah, not really. Like I said, I mean it's a it's a fairly basic setup um hybrid system so i guess we didn't, we didn't hit on the actual percentages there um 50 of the tags are going to go to the highest point holders 50 percent are going to go random okay you know so, so you have a high degree of, of random um in your draw which again is going to help your lower point people um until you get to that point there's also a certain degree of i can count for the most part of when i'll be able to draw a tag in a unit you know obviously point creep and that kind of thing always comes into play but um, Utah is a state where if you're a high point holder, you can generally kind of predict the year you're going to draw your tag. Gotcha. Um, you know, so yeah, very fair point system. Um, you know, there, there is some opportunity on the OTC route, which we'll hit on, um, you know, yeah. but generally Utah is a state that yeah, it's a point state, you know, you're going to hold on to some points before you get a tag for a while. Okay. It's not a state where, you know, like say like Arizona, where I'm counting on potentially drawing a random tag at a fairly low point level, you know, yeah. generally, I mean, like I said, it happens in Utah, but for the most part, yeah, you, you know, it, it's a state you're going to build and hold points in for quite a while, but trade-off being you know potential hunt of a lifetime gotcha and then what is the uh the dedicated hunter program in utah is that still a thing or is, yeah so yeah dedicated hunter is an interesting program there's not a lot of data that surrounds it so like on the go hunt platform we actually don't cover draw odds for it because there's a lot of unknowns that come into that system but okay. essentially the, the, the dedicated hunter program takes place on your general deer hunt units and if you can draw into the dedicated hunter program, essentially what this does is it allows you to hunt every single season that's available on a unit. So let's say you draw unit X, you can hunt the archery season, you can hunt the muzzleloader season, early rifle if they have it, the late rifle season. Uh, and you get two deer tags to use over the span of three years. Um, it doesn't matter if you kill, you can only kill one deer a year, but if you kill, you know, year one, you kill a deer and on year two, year two, excuse me, you kill a deer and on year three, you're still in that program. You don't get a tag though. And you can't apply. Gotcha. Um, but it guarantees you two tags over three years and you can hunt all available seasons on that unit. 
so it's kind of an attractive program. It's a cool program. It's fairly expensive. It's 195 bucks for residents. For non-residents, I want to say for around 1200. I could be off a few hundred though, either direction. It, it, it's around 1200 or so. Um, and then with that program, you actually have so many hours of community service to the state's wildlife that you owe each year. Um, so in total on the program, I believe you do 32 hours community service uh, and you have so many hours that are due. I think the first year you only have to do eight hours um, and they have various state approved programs that you can go through. Typically, these are going to be surrounding, you know, habitat improvement. It may not even be deer. I mean, you might be setting up fences for desert tortoise. You know, I mean, it, it can be yeah. a lot of things, but, you know, anything approved through the state that says, hey, yeah, you're, you're putting your time in, you're helping wildlife, you know, here's your license for the year. Um, so, yeah, you go in and do these, these, these community service type hours, and then you get your, you earn your license for the year. You can also purchase those hours. If you don't have time or you don't want to do the work, um, you can buy those hours. Um, I want to say they actually bumped them up this year. I want to say they might be 30 bucks an hour now at the cost, but, um, you know, yeah, very, very cool, uh, opportunity to get on a unit and learn a unit and, you know, and hunt every season on, it. um, yeah. these Utah deer, you know, they, like I said, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm still learning this desert hunting thing and man, they, you know, they act different, even though the weather might be the same in September and October, they, they act a lot the same and, yeah. and in a lot of ways they act a lot different too. So. Um, you know, I think it's the best opportunity to go check out some new country and, you know, and learn it. Um, really, really cool opportunities there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> cool. Are there any other draw options before we get into some of the over-the-counter stuff that we need to touch on? Any of the once yeah, time stuff that's important or anything? Really, the only one, um, you know, outside of your primary big game draw that we have going on, um, you also have your antlerless draw, which takes place later in the year, um, usually a, a June, early June deadline with that. Um, the antlerless just, you know, again, antlerless tags allows you to put extra tags in your pocket, you know? So I usually say like, you know, if you're going to apply to Utah, it's worth checking out those antlerless draws just because they can be fairly lucrative. The odds are pretty good on them. Um, you know, and I'm always a fan of trying to put more, more, uh, tags in my pocket, you know, doing any type of hunt anymore. Definitely. Definitely. Well, let's get into some of the over the counter stuff. I know yeah. Utah may not be known for their over the counter, but they definitely have some good opportunities. So what do we got? Got there in Utah. Yeah, for sure. So your yeah, your primary over the counter. Well, okay, we're gonna touch on the most out there over the counter opportunity that's not accessible to hardly anybody first. Um, Utah does offer an over the counter buffalo license. Yep. Um, very remote area. Pretty much you're floating. It's a float hunt for the most part. Um, quite often the buffalo are not in the area that you're hunting in. Low odds of success, extremely hard to get the buffalo out of there. Um, yeah. If you have the logistics to do it successfully, um, potential trip of a lifetime. But yeah. that's something I'll, I'll probably never, ever, <laughs> never approach in my lifetime, to be honest with you. Um, if you do that, does that take you out of like the draw for bison if you do that tag? You know, I'd have to double check on that. Um, I, I don't believe it does, but I would okay. double check on that before I tell you specifically yes or no. Gotcha. Um, so outside of that, your primary OTC option in Utah is going to be elk. And yep. with that, you're going to have two options now. You have what they call the over-the-counter any bull, and you have the over-the-counter spike bull. Um, so the over-the-counter any bull, these are units where you can, as the tag name states, you can shoot any bull. So this would be just like any other, you know, Western elk that you typically see you buy this tag, you're on this unit, a bull comes in, you can kill it. There's no size requirements on it. 
That being said, most of the Enable units generally have very, very, very low densities of elk on them um, and, and typically high densities of hunters on them. So you have low odds success. There are some great bulls that get killed on those Enable units every year, but it, it takes a lot of knowledge and usually repeat knowledge on those. Gotcha. Um, you know, if you're somebody that has the means to dedicate several years to it, you know, whether you're you're a local or, you know, it's it's not a far drive or you're just willing to do it every year, you can certainly find good success on that hunt. Like I said, some great bulls get killed on those any bull hunts every year. Uh, it's just your your amount of availability on opportunity is pretty slim. Gotcha. You know, so it, it can be a tough hunt. Um, now, with those, when you get into it, there are there are essentially Utah is going to be a tag specific state for the most part, or, or I should back that up. I'll say weapon specific state for the most part, meaning you buy an archery tag or you buy a muzzleloader tag or you buy a rifle tag. Um, so yeah, when you get into those OTC, um, any bull hunts, you're, you know, you're picking whether you want a rifle hunter, you want a muzzleloader hunter, you want a bow hunter, um, and then going from there. So there is some opportunity on those. Again, it's not excellent, but there is some opportunity. Okay. So it's something, something, you know, definitely keep in mind. Yeah. Um, the spike only hunts are interesting. So the spike only hunts take place on your limited entry units. And these are based around kind of the, the biology and then the herd management practice of shooting spikes increases the size of bulls on the unit. Hmm. Um, I don't know enough to speak to it scientifically, <laughs> but it does, it does work typically killing killing bulls um i mean i i don't i'm assuming it leads to less competition with more mature bulls allows more of your mature bulls to do the breeding yeah um, you know but so yeah your, your your spike hunts take place on your limited entry units which are really cool because you know you're you're hunting spikes essentially in these units where you've got tremendous bulls walking by you at bow range at times and you can't shoot them huh. um it adds a really weird you know, kind of caveat to the hunt, but it's also kind of cool at the same time because it takes a lot of pressure off. You just got to find a spike. It doesn't matter, you know, what it is. It's a spike. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it adds a weird frustrating thing to it because, you know, oftentimes you're wading through elk that you can't shoot, you know, so, you know, so it's, it's kind of a goofy hunt, but it's a really cool opportunity to get in and just hear elk vocalizing. I mean, typically you're hunting in areas that have pretty good populations of elk, um, you know, in these limited entry units. So it is kind of a cool opportunity. Um, downside, it's a, it's an expensive spike elk tag. <laughs> um, I mean, you, you know, you coming from a non-resident standpoint, you know, just to get down there and, and you know, deal with that. I mean, you're, you're talking, you know, close to 750 bucks by the time you get everything, cool. you know, and most spikes, you're 125 pounds a meter. So, you know, give yeah. or take, I mean, you know, your yield is not great. It's more of a going for the experience type of a hunt, if you will. For sure. Um, you know, and same thing with spikes. Now you're, you're dealing with choose your weapon type seasons. Um, so archery, rifle, and muzzleloader. You can also do a multi-season spike tag. Um, the multi-season tag, obviously it's more expensive, but it allows you to hunt all available seasons. Okay. Um, so you can go out during archery and come back with a rifle and, you know, in a, in a, in a muzzleloader and so on. Um, also kind of the nice thing during those archery seasons is even if you're on the any bull or on the, or on the spike only, you can shoot a cow during that season. Um, so they're in either, either sex during archery, you know, so, so there is some good opportunity there, you know, I mean, for somebody that's looking at doing, you know, a DIY, uh, Western archery elk hunt, you know, you're not going to find the type of hunt that you're going to find in, you know, Colorado or Wyoming or Montana or Idaho. 
Um, you know, it's a little bit of a different setup than that for sure, but there is some OTC opportunity there. Um, and like you said, if it, if it's a state that you can hit, you know, year after year and kind of start building some local knowledge in an area, you can, you can be very lucrative. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're saying on that, on either of those over the counter tags, you could shoot a cow if you wanted to. Yeah. With, during archery season. During archery season. Yeah. When, when, yeah. Once you get out of that, you're no go. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. And is success pretty good on those spike hunts, or is it still kind of tough to come by? It kind of depends on the area. I mean, not not all of those limited entry elk hunts are created equal. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the few that I hunt, I mean, I I've had really good success on. I know yeah. quite a few people who have. Um, you know, I mean, they're they're not too bad. You know, from a challenging aspect, I think it's a great way to get your feet wet. You know, like I said, it, it's still a you know, it's a fairly expensive you know hunt. You know, by the time by the time you're done dealing with a spike, um, you know, going that route, or if you go the, I guess to put it bluntly, if you're a if you're a if you're a person that's just starting out, I would not recommend the any bull hunts. You know, I think I think there's probably easier elk to be had. Not to chase mm-hmm. away from that opportunity because I think it'd be awesome to kill a bull on that hunt. Um, you know, but I think there is some easier opportunities to be had on those any bull hunts. You know, just just looking into other states. Gotcha. Gotcha. And cost of those for non-residents, you're get, you know, a few hundred bucks more than something like a Colorado over the counter. Oh, you're about the same. Um, yes. I mean, you're, you're dealing with, it's, oh, it's like five ninety five for your elk license. Um, and then, and then you're dealing about 80 bucks to get into your hunting license. And, you know, so by the, by the time you're all said and done, you're about 700 bucks. So they're a little bit cheaper than a Colorado elk license. Okay. Um, the potential quality of the hunt though, you could argue is going to be, could be higher on the Colorado, you know, Col- Colorado archery is kind of the whole conversation in and of its own, just with the amount of hunters on that hunt. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean that any bull tag. I'll say Utah is fairly competitive with their elk tag pricing. It gets a little bit more expensive when you start trying to justify the spike on that. Um, again, just because you're, you know, low yield of meat with, mm-hmm. with spike compared to a, you know, three and a half year old bull or what have you. Yeah. Um, you know, but they're fairly competitive. You know, where most of your Western, well, a lot of your Western states now are kind of starting to get 900 to a thousand for an elk tag. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, Utah, you're, you're about 700, um, you know, for your license. Gotcha. Gotcha. And with that spike tag, I've seen some pretty crazy bulls because it only has to be a spike on one side, right? Yeah. So the rule in Utah on that is one of the antlers cannot branch above the ear. Um, you know, so hypothetically, you, you take a, whatever 350 inch typical bull and you break off one side, you know, say in between the first and the second brow tine, mm-hmm. um, that bull is now legal in utah under that spike license so yeah a lot of times you see these you know these freaky club bulls you know bulls got just a big spike on one side or whatever like you know a lot of times those are legal utah bulls yeah um yeah so there there is the possibility of shooting a you know seven and a half year old giant bull on a spike hunt you know just because of technicality you know he he makes it in there so i mean it's definitely a possibility um i i in my whatever i lived here five years now in utah um, I've killed a lot of spikes on that spike hunt. Um, I've been involved in a lot of elks, you know, a lot of spikes getting killed. Um, I think maybe I've seen one bull that might have followed, followed or fell under that. Man, if I could talk today, um, I seen one bull that might have fell under that, but he was just he was a dink. You know, wasn't anything yeah. like super exciting. I mean, every time we go out, I'm like, man, it's gonna be the day today. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. There's there can be some cool bulls killed on that. I mean, every year you see some some pretty awesome ones. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some pretty crazy, like, one-by-sevens and all that stuff. Yeah. 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 But 
there anything else we need to cover on Utah before we kind of do a recap? Any other opportunities or uh, talk? You know, yeah, you know, maybe a couple random things. Actually, the spike conversation kind of brought this up. Um, under under limited entry deer, you do also have the opportunity to apply for management buck hunts. And typically, management buck hunts are going to be cactus buck hunts. And cactus bucks are very common in Utah. Typically, cactus sure. bucks can be a buck that has lost its testicles in one way, shape, or form. Um, their antlers never come out of velvet. Um, they're crazy looking. I'm sure a lot of people listening probably remember the buck killed in Colorado a couple of years ago. Um, I think I don't know if that actually officially ever got brought in as a world record or not. Um, crazy, massive, wild, typical or un- non-typical velvet just animal. Um, yeah. Again, caused by cactus bucks. So um, you'll find cactus buck hunts on Ponzagut and also Henry Mountains. Huh. And there's quite a few cactus bucks on there. You know, the odds of killing a buck are decent. Um, but they use your limited entry deer points. So, you know, a lot of times those hunts have pretty attractive odds. You know, you might get into those hunts at, you know, say 15 points or, or more. Um, you know, but they're using all of your points as well. You know, so so you, you do have to kind of watch that. I mean, you'll see people apply for those or accidentally apply for those. Um, you know, so, yeah, double check. I'd say when you're, when you're submitting an application, particularly if you're applying for a hunt, that or a unit that offers those, you know, make sure you're checking your, your hunt codes before you hit submit. Just yeah. make sure you got the right hunt on there. Um, I guess causes, the other thing, what's the cause of like having more cactus bucks in Utah? I have no idea. To be honest with you, I, growing up in Montana, you would see a picture of a cactus buck like every like 10 years, like you would like hear yeah. one here and there. They're, it's crazy down here. Um, I even, I mean, not, not that it's in Utah. I hunted a, just a unit in Colorado a few years ago, actually just over the border. Uh, we saw like four cactus bucks on that trip. Like it was, it was nuts. It was wild. I was trying to kill a big one for quite a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're weird looking sometimes. And it, it, it's like such a trade off too, because like sometimes those cactus bucks, you do get one that has a big frame and they're crazy looking. Um, you know. other times it's a glorified porkhorn. You know, just a bunch of points at the base. So it's like, you know, you spend that much time and that many points, you know, grabbing that tag and you may not kill a big one. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing too, that that's kind of been on the conversation of a few people, there's really nothing been like officially stated or, or movements put on this, but um, it's been in the increased pressure on muzzleloader hunts in the West. Mm-hmm. So Utah is still a state that, essentially has unregulated muzzleloaders um you can pretty much shoot what you want um you know so when you start talking these these extreme long range you know 45 caliber guns and stuff you guys are building like you, you can pretty much yeah. shoot anything here so i mean in essence a muzzleloader season is kind of an extra rifle hunt in utah uh, because of this your draw odds for your muzzleloader hunts are typically right there with the rifle hunts you know they're, they're not good okay um you know, there, there's been talk. Utah has been a state that's been fairly aggressive in the past few years in terms of technology um, in the hunting world. You know, they, they we got rid of baiting, um, got rid of trail cam usage. You know, so they're definitely showing that they're kind of looking at technology as, as far as how it impacts, excuse me, how it impacts, you know, wildlife herds. Um, it's possible that that, that happens to muzzleloader. Um, I mean, you just saw New Mexico here this last year, greatly, greatly restricted and throttled down their muzzleloader laws. Um, you know, if Utah moves to a system where, you know, we don't have magnified optics anymore, you know, and, and kind of start moving that direction, those draw odds for your muzzleloader tags, you're going to start getting a lot better. Um, or I shouldn't say a lot better, but they're going to get better. 
Um, you know, so then that might be an opportunity for that person that's kind of sitting below the point creep route. You know, that might be an upcoming, upcoming opportunity that, you know, that plays itself out. It may take a few years, you know, after the change to kind of filter through people and start seeing those changes. Um, you know, but it should start hopefully increasing some opportunity there as well. Gotcha. Uh, what about like, like predator type hunting, like your, you know, bears and mountain lion stuff type stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Utah's got a good population. I mean, you're not really going to find like your OTC opportunities. are going to start looking at like spring bear hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the most part, still Washington or well, not Washington. You can find good spring bear hunting or good bear hunting in Washington, not spring bear hunting. That's outlawed there. Now. Yeah. Um, but states like Idaho, uh, Wyoming, Montana, those are still going to be your king spring bear hunts for sure. But there are some draw hunts when you get into Utah. Um, Utah produces some big, big, big black bears. You know, there, there is some big bears you get killed on these on a number of hunts. Um, hound hunting and baiting is, is a fairly common practice down here where, where, where legal. Um, their bear regulations are actually pretty stringent. Um, they do a good job of regulating how and what is hunted in each of the units. Um, mountain lion, <laughs> mountain lion has been a hot topic. Uh, mountain yeah. lion recently, they kind of abolished the season structure. Those are going to a year long season with them. Uh-huh. Um, there's a lot of mixed feelings with the changes to mountain lion. You know, I mean, anytime we can increase more hunting pressure on predators, it generally does well for your ungulate populations. Um, you know, there, there's not, I'm not cast, casting a shadow at this because I don't hunt predators as much as I should, but there's not enough people that hunt predators actively. Yeah. Um, you know, so anytime we have more people out there with tags, it's a good thing. Um, concerning side of it was how, how the, why, how and why the, the, mountain lion law was pushed into place it wasn't through due processes and it, a lot of people got kind of scared on, on what else could get pushed through okay you know kind of more of a precedent setting instance more so than people being upset at mountain lions being hunted year-round gotcha. yeah so, so yeah there's definitely some feathers ruffled there um but yeah you know typically from a standpoint of like hey i'm a predator hunter you know there, there's not you know there's not gonna be a lot of opportunity outside of playing the points game in utah um, but yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're looking to kill a big black bear, they have those here for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Any, any last words we want to touch on about Utah things we need to cover before we kind of just recap it real quick. Yeah. Main thing I'd say is, is, you know, again, uh, main thing we're kind of looking at this year is, is draw odds could shift a little bit with, with some of the deer hunts, just based on what comes out for final tag numbers mm-hmm. uh, up North, you know, with this continuing winter kill, um, Luckily, the winter kill has not been large and widespread throughout the West. You know, it's hitting fairly areas, or fairly centralized. Oh, my goodness. It's hitting fairly centralized areas, but the areas that it's hitting, it's, it's slamming them hard. Um, I mean, we've seen videos, you know, across, you know, northern Utah and, and you know, kind of that, that southern and central portions of Wyoming. I mean, they're getting just annihilated right now. Yeah. Um, you know, so with that, yeah, we're definitely going to be seeing some tactics up north. Uh, we're expecting some redistribution of applicants. So, you know, some of these southern units, um, you're, you know, your more prolific southern deer units in Utah could certainly see some jump uh, with points. You know, so keep that in mind. Um, at the end of the day, though, uh, if you're a person that is not applied to Utah, I would tell you to check it out. It's it's a beautiful state to hunt. There's really not very many states that offer the same terrain types you're going to find in Utah. It's incredible. Um, yeah. The actual, the, the hunting in Utah is very good. Um, you know, I mean, there, there'll be certainly people that have hunted it from the old days that'll argue that point with me, <laughs> which <laughs> which I, I totally understand. But I can say coming from where I came from in Montana to what I have now in Utah, um, very, very cool hunting opportunities. I really like it. Um, but keep in mind that for the most part, Utah, it's, it's a long haul points game. 
you know, if you start applying, you're, you're, you know, you can pull a tag at, you know, 10 points and under, but the odds of you doing that are very slim. Yeah. Um, you know, so this is kind of more of a state you're putting in for in, in the essence of, you know, this is where I'm going to kill the bull in my lifetime at. Gotcha. Cool, man. Well, what, one more time, what was the deadline on it? And then just some like key points that people need to be aware of. Yeah. So your deadline is going to be April 27th. So you have to have those in by April 27th this year. Um, typically Utah takes about a month or so. So we're going to probably get me looking towards the end of May before we see draw deadline or excuse me, draw results on that. Um, now with that, when you apply to Utah, you have to have a current hunting license. Um, and you only pay your app fee. If you're successful, then you get charged for your credit card fee on your license. So it's not an upfront state. So it's, it is fairly inexpensive to apply for. You are out your, your hunting license. Um, and then you're also going to be out your, your application fees, which again, your application fees are 10 bucks per animal. Um, and when you get into your hunting license, you're dealing, I think it's 98 bucks for the combination license, which is hunting and fishing, uh, or 72 bucks for the hunting license. Okay. Cool. Cool, man. Well, I think that kind of covered most of it, unless you got anything else you want to say before we wrap this up. Yeah I, think, yeah, I think we pretty well nailed it. Um, like I said, again, great state to everybody to look at. Um, you just got to kind of know, you know, what you're getting into when you get into it. For sure, for sure. And if people have any other questions, how can they reach out to you to get some answers? Yeah, you can definitely find me anytime on uh, GoHunt. My email is super easy. It's just Dave, so D-A-V-E, at GoHunt.com. Cool, man. Well, Dave, thanks again for coming on, and we'll get you back on again soon to cover some more states. Definitely. Appreciate it, bud. No problem. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast with Dave Barnett. I hope it'll help you on your Utah Draw application. But before I let you guys go, again, make sure you guys are checking out the podcast on social media. It's barely underscore backcountry underscore podcast on Instagram. And then my personal is c.dillashaw. Again, I appreciate it if you guys share the podcast, give it a like, give it a follow, leave reviews, all those good things. But that is it for this week, and I will see you guys on the next one.